Hey, that's the name of my new single. <laughs> that's actually cool. listen to it. Hopefully that got that recorded. Is. That's that's how that got that song got the name. Um, <laughs> is it be, really? Yeah, because I basically had written the whole record or what I thought was going to be the whole record before the pandemic. And I was supposed to record the album like two weeks into the pandemic and that obvious in Texas. And that obviously didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started writing more songs and I was doing so many Zooms. I was like, I have to do a song called Recording in Progress. Like anyway. It. Got a beard in it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew Doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet we're gonna put it in check You're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. I'm your host, Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here tonight with my boy... Nomadic Vagabond. Man, it's good to be here tonight. Our guest, we have a guest in the house tonight, and she has actually had me on her live streaming show twice. She's formally been on our show once so far. Um, In fact, the show that she was on in 2019, it is one of our most downloaded and listened to episodes of all time. Uh, But our listeners may also be familiar with her because we have rerun the conversations I had from her show right here. So technically, this is her fourth time on the show. If you're an avid listener, you might have an idea who this is, but I'm going to keep the rest of you waiting a little longer. Why? Because I like anticipation and because she may be the only Bruised Beards and Shipwrecks guest who unashamedly said she really liked NWA Gangsta Gangsta. (laughs) Yeah, our guest tonight, she's a writer, she's a speaker, she's a podcaster, she's a lot of fun. Uh, Most of her work is on Ancient Faith Radio. You can find her stuff published elsewhere. Uh, She is an Orthodox Christian, like many of our guests. She focuses on that and family life, as well as religious education, but she's been branching out into some other topics. She's got plenty of kids, more than I think I've met, maybe. Perhaps I've met all of them. I don't know. We'll, We'll figure this out. And she lives in a really cool place. She lives just outside of Austin, Texas. Now, since this is a music-oriented show, we asked her ahead of time a lot of questions about music. And she wanted to make clear that she has a reputation, or does not have a rep... I don't even know how to speak. Does she have a reputation? Does she not? When it comes to music, here's her reputation. She said she's a terrible singer, and she has no rhythm. So... (laughs) We know, however, that she's a very gifted person. Her gifts lie elsewhere. That's right. Tonight, our guest is author, speaker, podcaster, and mother, Elisa Bielitich Davis. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> is that the longest intro you've ever gotten? That was a pretty long intro. That was pretty good. I liked it, though. It was good. Well, and it's true. I'm not musical at all. I'm just, <laughs> I love music, though. Like, I love listening to sure. music. 
I don't think there's a genre of music I don't love, but but I'm not musical personally. Sorry. Did you ever make an attempt, like as a kid, did your parents like try to put you in an instrument or something? I took singing lessons and I took piano lessons and uh, okay, they didn't, didn't go stick. Well. Just uh, they, well, I'm just not good at it. Like, I'm just not good. But that's oh. all right, you know. It's all right. I've got other things going on. <laughs> Listen, music can spring up from within your soul, even if it doesn't come out of your fingers or your mouth, you know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> even if it's just you in the car by yourself. <laughs> That's right. And actually, it is. I sing a lot alone in the car. It's excellent. In fact, I was re-listening to the previous time I was on earlier this week because I thought, oh, what if I accidentally start telling the same story or something? So I listened sure. again. And at the end, you played the clean version of Gangsta Gangsta. And I think it's funny that you say that I unashamedly like that song. I found myself singing along at the top of my voice. And I was like, wow, I do really like that song, don't I? Oh. <laughs> And it do. wasn't the clean version. <laughs> well, that one was, but I was not singing the clean version because I had the real version of my Oh, head. my goodness. <laughs> well, you know, it, it always cracks me up, like, gangster rap music and people that are not gangster, right? Like, this is, a, this is kind of a thing. If anybody has ever seen the classic Office Space, I mean, mm. there's this... Yeah. Gen genius movement or Yo. moment in the show where they are trashing like a fax machine they all hate and gangster rap is playing and they're just beating the crap out of this this fax machine and it's this glorious gangster moment and it's anything but gangster mm -hmm. you, know? <laughs> you know it's it's funny speaking of nwa there's one time I went to the record store and I found it was the straight out of Compton, but it was the clean version CD. Oh, wow. And, yeah. it, and it was used as like, I'm going to buy this just for fun. So I brought up the counter and they're like, you know, this is the clean version, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was it was dope because like, instead of like editing out all like the cuss words and stuff, they just re-recorded it. Sure. And yeah. so it was, and I wish I still had it, of course, but you know, but it was really cool because it was almost like a completely different album, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because if they don't, if they just take out the naughty words, right? Yeah. You you yeah. end up with something that sounds like it's got holes in it. Yeah, it's like skipping. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like at that point, just have the instrumental. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I want to jump into this. Uh, what are we all drinking? Um, at least a couple of us are <laughs> sipping on something. What do you got? Well, I personally am sick at this point. So I thought, well, what should I have for Royal Ruckus? I have a uh, hot buttered bourbon because Ooh. I'm not well. So that's there what my grandma used to make me when I was sick. And it's just delicious. I love it. What, what you, you whip this up with some bourbon and actual butter or like what is what? Yeah. What is it? Yeah, no, you take like butter and you mix in uh, brown sugar and spices like you're making, you know, like a, I don't know, pumpkin pie or something. Yeah. And then you uh, it's hot water, bourbon and like a spoonful of this butter mixture. When I got oh. sick earlier this week, I made a bunch of it. And so now every night, this is how I'm going to sleep at night. That sounds so, fantastic. I find it's kind like, of delicious. Whenever I'm sick, a lot of times if I've got like a really bad cold or something, I usually make hot toddies. And usually it's like two hot toddies and it's perfect. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. It's been Absolutely. a while since I had one of those. Well, I'm, I'm also sipping on something that sounds very comforting. Um, I'm sipping on a Maple Brown from Athletic Brewing Company. It's a special release. Uh, it's one of the non-alcoholic beers that uh, that I've been drinking, but Athletic just makes great beer and they've been uh, 
putting out these pilot program, like limited release beers. And uh, I ordered this maple brown. It's real nice. It's real Sounds nice. nice. I, I've, oh, I've had a good. few of those, uh, like the exclusive releases of those. Um, like it's usually brewery, yeah. brewery only stuff, but like since I'm in the beer industry, I have an athletic rep and she gave me like a gift box. I had a few of those. Nice. That was super good. Um, nice. I'm, how you're sipping on a non-alcoholic beer. I'm gonna like double down for you and I'm sipping a, <laughs> a, a, a hazy double IPA. Okay. Um, from, it's a brewery called Ex Novo. So they're out here in Portland, but they also have a brewery in, um, New Mexico as well. So yeah, I mean it's cool. it's it's not too big, but it's got a like a nice like like nice thick mouthfeel, like good hops, but not super bitter. So yeah, it's nice. No, I I thought maybe somebody would have an old fashioned tonight. No you old know, fashions. Like, I usually do, but I mean it's still bourbon. It's just you know yeah. comforting bourbon. But I do love my old fashioned still. That has not changed. That is still what, my favorite. What is it about the old fashioned that you you love so much? It's not. New I think I really. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> no, I think I like it because it's uh, I like bourbon a lot. Like I just like the taste of bourbon. And so an old fashioned doesn't really alter the taste. It just sweetens it up mm. a little bit. Yeah. 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 I was almost if I would have gotten my act together in time. Um, Guinness just came out with like a, a bourbon barrel old fashioned inspired. Mm. Mm. And if I would have had my act together, I would have had that because it would have been the best of both worlds. Mm. There you go. That sounds Would have been a perfect meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cool. That sounds really good, actually. Sounds great. Well, that, last time we had you on the show, I don't remember if we had beverages. But one thing that I do remember is we didn't waste a lot of time getting down to some tough stuff. And I warned you on this one, I was going to cut hard to the tough stuff a little bit. Um, if, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do a hard transition to that. Go for it. So we spoke uh, about your experiences raising kids. You know, we talked about your journey and finding a church. Some of that was a little bit lighter, but there was some tough stuff mixed in there. But really, the thing that our listeners really connected with, it seemed, uh, was what you shared about losing your infant son. Um, you let us in on what you described as a, a dark and a difficult period. You called it the worst of your life. Are, are you are you still um, when you think about that uh, and and I'm also kind of curious you were listening to our our discussion before um, I'm wondering if you if you think back that was a few years ago you know where are your thoughts in in that space um, related to that at this point well you know I'm, I this year my son would be a senior in high school. Mm. So I'm seeing, you know, all the kids who are graduating and it's, it's, it hits me different this year. Yeah. But, um, you know, one of the things we talked about, and I think, I really think it's still true, but I've thought more about it since then. Um, there was a, I said that my priest said to me, you have to ask instead of why me, why not me? Mm -hmm. And thinking about that, I'm, I sort of came to a conclusion. I was thinking about that this week, actually listening to our conversation. And I was thinking about, I think part of that is about being connected to other people. Like when you think to yourself, why me? Why is this bad thing happening to me? 
you're kind of isolating yourself from humanity and you're like, this shouldn't happen to me. And what does that mean? Right? Like I was talking to, I got a letter from someone. I wrote the book on, I wrote this book about my daughter's transplant. Right. So I get letters from people whose kids are in similar circumstances. And, and she was like, I'm really stuck on this idea that I've done everything right. And now all this is going sideways and our son's really mm -hmm. sick. And it just, I, it's funny. Cause I had this, like, it made sense in my head before we started talking and now it's going all goofy. But when you are asking like, why should it be me? It's like, you're setting yourself apart and saying it shouldn't like, this shouldn't happen to me. This should happen to anybody else. Yeah, but right. when you really go to it and you look at it and you say, okay, a certain percentage of human beings are going to experience this. And it's kind of random, right? It's random yep. selection. I used to say it's like shotgun splatter, right? It's just like, where's it going to hit? Nobody knows. You're just, just shooting and some people are going to get this, are going to have this problem. When you can say, why not me? It's like, well, I'm one of the, I'm one of the people. I'm one of the human beings on earth who live mm -hmm. in this fallen, fragile world. And yep. I'm going to experience some of these bad things. And when you get past being stuck on that, I think that's when you can really process it and grow with it and when it can be something that that maybe even changes you for the better or at least you can survive it which is maybe the main the main goal sure. of it but sure. um, i don't know so i was thinking about that from our last conversation and i thought you know that's really what it is it's this idea that somehow am i someone who's like set apart and not supposed to suffer or am i one of the suffering ones like one of one of god's children who suffer like that's yeah. that's who we all are and right Anyway, but uh, I mean, overall, I wouldn't say that my experience has changed significantly because of course, you know, that was a long time ago when my son passed away in 2005 and we talked in 2019. And so, you know, there have not been any developments. That's sort of yeah. the hallmark. <laughs> that's the hallmark sure. of death. There's no development. But, but, that, but that's, that's like a really, like I hadn't expected what you said, for example, like the high school graduation thing. But of course that would occur to you. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and, and actually it didn't. That was the crazy thing. It didn't. Mm -hmm. One of my daughters was like, Yeah, I'm tutoring this girl and she's graduating high school and it's just killing me. And then I had to go to this thing and they were honoring the seniors and I was so upset. Yeah. And I'm looking at I'm like, Well, why is that bothering you? And I'm thinking it's because she didn't have a good graduation because she graduated during COVID or something. And she's like, sure. No, because of Luca. And I was like, Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, you're wow. right. Like, this is it. This is the year. But it used to it used to hit me more easily, but it was like, you know, they say the first year you miss all the firsts, like it's the first Christmas without them. It's the first you know Thanksgiving without sure. them with kids. There's like a time when you buy them a first bicycle and there's a time when they go off to school and there's a time when they go off to college like there. It goes on and on. Right. So when my other kids are getting married, he won't be getting married. When my other kids have babies, he won't be having babies. So it's like. I don't know, there's a way that that just echoes into the future forever. And I can yeah. still hear it echo now, you know, but it's, but it's been a long time and it's not as, every once in a while it still catches me and out of nowhere, I'll just find myself just like struck by something and in tears. But for the most part, it's just like this, it's just a part of me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say it just like, uh because like I have I have two kids I have a 15 year old and a 17 year old so my son who's my oldest he was born in 2005 and uh but in between the two we had a miscarriage 
And um, while it's not on par with losing an infant son, there is still, especially for my wife, there's more of that feeling of loss, you know? And, and like you're saying, it's kind of like, you know, all, all those milestones, because especially now with my son being, you know, 17, we have those milestones now where like, I'm teaching how to drive, he's got his first job. Like there's all mm -hmm. those things to celebrate where it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it just time is measured differently with children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think when it comes to to loss, too, there's this sense in which I, I mean, I suppose you could say this about any kind of difficult thing we go through. It's not that you get over it because the loss is always there or rather not there. That's that's why it's lost. By definition, it's the absence of something. Mm -hmm. That is always with us, though, in a sense. And um, gosh, I, th I was listening to uh, Louis C.K. and Joe Rogan talking about related uh, issues of, of loss and grief and difficulty. And and uh, I think it was Louis C.K. that said something like, well, it's more a matter of like, you just simply incorporate this new reality into your life. It does, it's not that it gets easier or that it goes away. It's just you learn how to incorporate this and this becomes your new existence. Yeah, yeah I, I really agree with that. And I thought I felt especially with children, you know, when I would have when I have a baby, I've had several of them, you know, you there's almost this pain as you feel like your heart just sort of grow to accommodate that love. Like you just mm -hmm. feel yourself stretch. So I think you notice it really with your second, too, because like the first one, you love that child so much. And it's just, you know, you're almost worried. Like, is it possible that I will love this next one less? Because I really <laughs> right. like this kid. Like, yeah. I'm really into this kid. And then the next one comes and you almost feel this like ache as you grow to accommodate it. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's like that. It's like there's this aching and there's this sort of growing to accommodate. You know, grief is just kind of a flip side of love, right? It's related to love. Yeah. The bigger the love, yeah. the bigger the grief. And so, but yeah, it is. It's something that just becomes a part of you, like a scar or like anything else. It's just this, it's just now a part of you. And, and eventually you come to a place where you can't imagine not having it, right? Like I, I can't, I don't remember what it was like not to, not to know sure. that, not to feel that. Sure. Well, it's like, it's almost like if you don't have love, can you have grief? Yeah, that's true. That's really true. Well, and there's also something beautiful, like, I don't know, if you go into a spiritual dimension of like, if you really love the world, if you really love human beings, then you really grieve for human beings because there's mm -hmm. always something to grieve, right? There's always yeah. a shooting mm -hmm. on the news if you're an American, you know, there's always a war, there's always some terrible suffering. And the right. more you love people, the more you feel it when those yeah. things happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, when, when you've had a, a firsthand experience of something um, too, it makes you more sensitive to others and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and aware um, to take a very, um, you know, s silly analogy. It's like when when you get a new car or you adopt a new dog or something, suddenly you see that beagle everywhere. You know, there's somebody always walking a beagle or there's somebody always driving that minivan. Yes. Um, <laughs> True. You, your awareness totally. just, just grows. Yeah. And when it, I think it does the same thing with, with grief if if you take the time to listen. And, and pretty soon you start hearing the stories and the, the similarities in other people's lives. And, you know, when we had um, a, a friend of mine on who lost her husband, who was a good friend of mine, and uh, when he passed, 
I don't know, just the the reality of death just smacked me upside the face harder than it had in a very long time. And I almost couldn't have a conversation, especially with older people, uh, without having a strong sense of recognizing how much death that all of us have to see and experience. And the realization of the universality of this painful road that we all must um, pass through um, and the grief that comes with that. Like, like I would talk to people who I knew, you know, this is an elderly widower at my church or something, and I never knew his wife. But now there's like this depth of thought about like the grief, the road, the, the you know, that he has traveled. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty powerful thing. It really is. It is. Uh, after I lost my son, a couple years later, my husband, now my ex-husband, but his uncle, who was like the most delightful person, he was losing his wife. And we happened to move to Austin at the time that she was dying. And so we were helping out and showing up and, you know, just doing whatever we could. And she passed. And then he and I would spend time together probably two, three times a week and talk on the phone. And and it was so interesting because it was, you know, it was this connection that we had. And I was sort of walking through it with him. I've never, you know, been an 89-year-old man who lost his wife, but I knew what grief was. And it connected us, even though, as you're saying, it's a different kind of grief. And yeah. it, um, I don't know, it was really, in a lot of ways, it was really beautiful. It was one of my favorite friendships. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. So the friend that you lost, was that, as he mentioned in the album? in the new album yeah yeah the yeah. the the last song, yeah. song eight um that was a tribute song that i i did for him so yeah that's uh, lovely that's yeah. really lovely i liked that yeah uh and and uh, pretty special on the hook the holla at your boy that that is part of the chorus that's something he used to always say to me when we get off the phone holla at your boy oh nice um, i like uh, that that's beautiful one, one of the things you just mentioned a moment ago is an ex-husband. And yes. uh, we have known each other for a long time. When we recorded that that conversation, um, you know, I, I we were in person. That was a rare thing for your show. We were in person and we were mm -hmm. talking about stuff. But, you know, I had no idea of anything that might be going on or might, might happen. And uh, at some point after you know, after we had our conversation, uh, I learned that, that you were going through a divorce. And, you know, I felt for you, I felt for the kids, but like, I'm not part of your in-person circle and community. And um, so, you know, I never really saw what that journey was like for you. Um, but especially the real tricky part, I think, when it comes to these things is, as we mentioned, you have oodles of kids. And so you're not just, a divorce isn't just two people. A divorce right. is always a network of people. And so I'm wondering what, uh, what are some ways that maybe you were able to try to provide some strength or stability or understanding for your kids as they experienced this alongside you and, and your now ex-husband? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Jamie, it's not surprising to me that you didn't know about it because nobody knew about it. Yeah. And I had very close friends who were shocked, who had yeah. no idea. And uh, we were really going through it for several years, but I kept it close to the vest. And uh, because I, 
mean, I don't, I, because I thought that if we were able to work it out, I didn't want anybody holding anything against him or, you know, or sure. whatever, sure. all the weirdness right. of like people, people having opinions on your marriage. Right. So I was just like, nope, we're going to, and I just, you know, worked really, really hard to keep that together for a long time. And I didn't talk to anybody about it. In fact, the, I noticed the beers, what is this? The, the, the last episode that came out, that one came out, did it come out in November, 2019? Cause yeah. my divorce was final December 4th of 2019. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't say yeah. a word about it. I didn't say a word about wow. it to anybody. And uh, it would actually, it was funny cause I didn't know when to co- go public about it. Yeah. And uh, apparently I decided not to in November of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the date on it. I was like, wow, it didn't even well, come up. Like that's how, that's to- how close to the vest I was holding it. To, to be to be fair, I think we recorded it in August, and okay. back then there was a couple month lapse between recordings and okay. uh, episodes dropping. But nonetheless, it's still a very short time frame. Even yeah. if it had been August, um, you know, yeah. I'm 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 sure you had to keep it close to your your vest there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, for the kids, I mean, it was we have five kids, and we told them on April second that he was moving out and they started laughing because they thought it was an April Fool's joke. Fool's and then they slowly realized that April Fool's Day was yesterday. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was like the most surreal, bizarre experience. And I just, I hated it because I, you know, I, 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 I'm literally a homemaker. Like yeah. I left graduate school to raise my kids and to build this family and I built all of these beautiful traditions and all of this stuff. And it just like, and I didn't get a vote in anything and it was just all gone. And I hated seeing them lose all of that. And on the one hand, I want them to know that I hate seeing them lose all of it and that I sympathize with it. On the other hand, you have, you know, you can't, you can't demonize your ex or something, right? You can't be like, I'm the good guy, you know? So, right. so it was really, it was hard. And it was, that was a really difficult experience. And I will say the main thing that I think that I was able to provide my kids was understanding. And they, cause they really went through it and they went through all the emotions and up and down the roller coaster and all the stuff. And um, it was interesting though, because when my son died, I like built all these prayer things with them. And it was like, okay, every morning we'll pray for him and we pray for him in the evening and all these things that helped them and me with the grief. And it was all these different rhythms and routines. And, and I spoke about that. I would go around, I wrote a book about like family rhythms and how you build like prayer and all these things into your rhythm. And, uh, when, when he left, he gets the kids 50, 50. And so at first we were doing like three days on four days off, four days on three days off. And that totally destroys your, your routine. Right. And so I couldn't give them a rhythm and it actually broke my own rhythm. And so I started to realize that like my own stability and my own like systems all assumed that I had all these kids in the house all the time. And I was always leading them through things. And when the divorce hit, it was like, they were gone half the time and there wasn't anyone else for me to lead. And it, it like very weirdly, it, it really like shattered all of my routines. Sure. And then the divorce was final at the end of 2019 and then COVID hit. 
And I mean, talk about shattering <laughs> routines, right? Forget the like, routines, they're gone. Right? Like it's all, it's, it's the exact opposite of all the things that I've ever read about. Actually, it proves yeah. all the things because it's like all the stuff I said, this is your problem, don't do this. That's exactly where my life went. And I was like, yep, correct. Does ruin everything. There we go. But, <laughs> but oh, it, was, my. it was crazy. But uh, on the other hand, I felt very lucky when COVID hit because. Well, I mean, nobody felt particularly lucky, but I was, I was glad that my divorce happened when it did because sure. the way that it lined up, like I had taken a trip to the Holy land and I had like sort of all this sort of inner peace. And I came home and he was like, I'm leaving I'll, goodbye. And I was like, well, all right. And then, uh, over the summer, you know, we sort of tried, didn't work and event and I filed for divorce was divorced in December. And then COVID hit the next spring. And it was like, man, if it had been a year sooner, we would have been locked in a house, like in this nonstop, yeah. miserable struggle that we had been in and yeah. still trying to hide it from kids, right? When you're in a house with five kids. Well, by then I think it was three. Yeah, good, good luck with that. Two or three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm so glad that that happened before we all got locked right. up in a house together. Yeah, right. But you know, COVID was rough because my youngest had a liver transplant and that was really, we were mm. really nervous about that. So we had to be really careful. And, yeah. but my college kids came home, they had been gone and they came back. So it was like, we'd gone through this really shattering divorce experience. And then all of a sudden I had all the kids in the house and they were there really most of the time. And some of them brought friends accidentally. I ended up with nine kids and me in the house. And it was, wow. uh, it was interesting. Wow. It was very. It was kind of helpful going through the divorce. I don't know. It worked out. It was all right. Yeah. It was like an impromptu support system. Yeah, it really was, <laughs> and it got all of us back together to kind of process it together. Sure. And that was beautiful. But I will say, my kids went through it. They're still like all kinds of crazy that I won't even get into. But sure. There's sure. All, there's all. Let's just say, currently, out of my five children, five are in therapy. So. Sure. Just leave it at that. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm I'm glad they're getting the therapy though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you know, gro growing yeah. up, um, I felt like at least in my community there was a stigma um, against therapy, and mm -hmm. you know, the totally. four of us kids grew up without our biological dad who died unex unexpectedly. We absolutely could have used some therapy back then, but we thought only like screwed up weirdos went to therapy and. Yeah. Uh, as and I, I say that tongue in cheek too, by the way, because right. I, I don't want to say that about anybody, honestly. Right. Um, right. But I've spent a small fortune as an adult working through some of those things, and it's been very helpful. And you know, uh, it, it would have been great to work through some of those things a little younger, but we work through it when we can. And so, for you to be proactive yeah. uh, with your kids, or for your kids, I mean, you've got college kids. For all I know, they're picking their own therapist. But yeah. People are getting the help that they need, and and that to me is is like the most important thing because how we mm -hmm. deal with the adversity is going to make or break us as we take each next step. Mm -hmm. That's so true, and you're right. I mean, when I was growing up, I was born '74, and when I was growing up, I don't believe I knew anybody who was in therapy. And yeah. if they were like my, I, I just think my parents would have said something like, you know, oh, they implant repressed memories in your head, you know, stay away from oh, that. Oh, sure. You know, be like, <laughs> you know, crazy things happen to people who go to therapy, and uh, you know. But when 
I started my first time in therapy was because I thought I didn't have any. I figured I was fine. I grew up in the craziest way, but I thought I was totally fine. Sure. You know, smart. Don't we all? But, um, yeah, but yeah. then when my son <laughs> passed away, I went in for grief counseling and I stayed for a while. And it wasn't, you know, it was also like, wait a minute, your parents, what? Like, tell You're me like, more about that. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're not fine. You could use someone to help you <laughs> sort it out and understand it. And then you see it and it's good. So I'm glad all the kids are doing that. I'm very glad but uh, it's expensive it gets old but it's, sure it's yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's this sense in which uh normal is a myth you know like we we yeah. think like i'm growing up i thought you know even though uh we lost our dad my mom remarried this wonderful christian man like we had a pretty stable life overall all things considered mm-hmm. so i'm looking at it like we're the normal family as the years have gone on i'm like Oh, well, we have dysfunction just like everybody else does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny because, like, I was talking with my wife last night, and, like, you know, we're both products of divorce, but differently. And I was telling her, I was like, it's funny because, like, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I wish I could be an adult because I can do whatever I want. And then when you're an adult, you're like, man, dude, being a kid, all I had to do was just, like, do my schoolwork. <laughs> like listen to my parents and everything's cool but my wife was like that was not my experience because her dad like bounced on them when they were like 13 like asked for a divorce on valentine's day so she being the oldest like had to kind of be the the dad or like the adult and i'm like i just grew up in divorce so it's like it was two different experiences you know and so it's like oh wow it's like okay so it's not all fine you know what i mean and it's but it's even it's like okay we can say hey we both are from divorced families it's two way different experiences you know no that's true and you know uh i'm sorry to keep going back to my my situation my dad but i just know how to relate to the things i know to relate to so like you know royal ruckus me and mike we both lost a parent growing up you know but i lost my dad when i was two he lost his his mom when he was 13 i think um the impact of that they're they're both very impactful just very different and a a different set of uh things to sort through and and work out just like with my big brother he was 13 and 12 or 13 when our dad died his experience his grief is different than mine yeah but now one one thing i wanted to follow up to kind of circle back to one thing you were talking about the the routine and um all of that got kind of just thrown to the wind and then COVID provided this different way of of being as a family and a community. Um, what about post-COVID? Have, have you been able to recapture some of those routines? You know, some of your kids are off at college. You probably are still splitting uh, some custody with kids that are at home. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably very difficult to capture routines, but I did want to circle back around that and get a follow-up on that. Where are you in, those, in terms of that? Sort of. Sort of. Well, so I... So I got married. I also, the other thing that happened right before COVID is I met someone. And that's actually a little side note. I just have to say that uh, we met online and I stupidly, right? He's like, you know, introduce myself, say my full name. I've never met anyone online before. I have no idea how this works. (laughs) So of course he Googles me, right? And I'm all over the internet. I have a website with all these links to things, right? So he listened to the podcast where you interviewed me about my son. 
And I, he, he's like, oh, I was listening, you know, to some of your different talks and this part. And we hadn't met in person yet. We talked for like a month before we met in person. And uh, he, so he had listened to it. And I was like, oh, no, you know, do you still still want to go out? Like, he's like, oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I was like, all right, well, that's good. He's fairly warned because now he knows all the all the everything, all the trauma all laid out for you. But um, that, that's anyway. amazing. I, I, yeah. I want to say to that, though, I didn't know about that until we asked you to come back on. And uh, I didn't realize that we could, you know, maybe do a spinoff show like Bruce yes. Beards and Matchmakers. Right. You know, reality dating shows are are the thing now, you know, that's, um, right. that's right. We've got a whole new audience for you now. There you go. <laughs> There Look, you go. If, if we can play matchmaker and and bring some people together that should be together, this is a this is a good and beautiful thing. No, I'm I'm really I'm really uh, so amused by that. I love that we got to be part of his sort of personal vetting process of you. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, and kind of a big deal. Like it was really like sure. it was a big deal. It was really wow. that because that I mean that was such a intense thing, right? Like you can cook yeah. around and find blog posts and podcasts on but you know my podcasts are about other things right like let's right, talk right. about the beatitudes right like that's very <laughs> right. different that's yeah. very different but it, so it was that's, really, that was you it's opening funny. It's up. a big part of our story yeah yeah exactly yeah. and and he he got to hear who you are in a, in a way like in a way without pretense uh, yeah. You try to have that convert how could you even have that conversation on a date for example yeah. like. Mm -hmm. Right, he he got to get a little <laughs> glimpse into your heart, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a very safe space. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of neat. It was, uh, I highly recommend it. It worked out very well because, well, because like you say, right? How do you bring that up on a date? How's all of that going to unfold in any kind yeah. of like rational way? So it just started, it was kind of nice. It like got everything out of the way. Like here's the whole yeah. story, all the different kids, all the different, the cleft lip and palates and the death and the sure. transplants and all the stuff, Yeah, like all just laid out neatly for him. And, and so, uh, and I figure the fact that it didn't scare him off was a really good sign. So it worked out well, but yeah, so you're actually kind of a big part of our story, which I think That's is awesome. cool, but, uh, but did, yeah, so did he my, bring kids to the marriage? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm... He did. Yes. Okay. He has two okay. kids as well. Okay. And so, and they're not Orthodox. Okay. So it's like, are the rhythms back? I mean, there's a whole different rhythm now and it's sure. not at all like it used to be. And then among my kids over COVID, like a lot of people, they're not going to church. Some of my kids did not come back. And some of them are, they're really mad about like political stuff, right? Like what's the church's position on ordaining women or on gay marriage and different things. And, and they just cannot reconcile it. And so, um, you know, so my kids are just all over the place. And, and sure. in some ways, the rhythms are back and very good. And in some ways, I don't know if they'll ever come back, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just yeah. like, and I'm, you know, life to me has felt like just a long series of me learning about all the things I can't control. And now I can add a whole bunch of things to that list. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's just kind of where I am. But I am like, for me personally, I've developed rhythms that aren't reliant on the kids. And I think that's really a good thing. Yeah. I hadn't realized to what extent my rhythms were reliant on them and how much mm. I would like how I had built because I really built up my faith life after my son passed. I really built it up with my kids mm -hmm. and I don't know that I had my own prayer mm. rule or, you know, without mm. them, it was mm -hmm. weird. So 
so it's been, you know, it's good. Where I am now is in a is a good place, but it's very different and it's not where I thought I was going to be, but it's but it's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm curious because what, uh, about something you said too, you were talking about like, it's not your word, but um, there's a sense of which we all want to have control over things. And um, it sounds to me like you have um, sort of had open hands with God um, and allowed him to do as he pleases and also allow, uh, maybe I'm making too much of this analogy, but the, the idea is, you are not trying to micromanage and control. It sounds like you're learning to let go, to trust, and to accept, um, mm -hmm. including accepting your children, accepting the situations, accepting the questions. Um, how how do you do that? Because because so many so many people don't don't want to do that. They, you know, they almost feel threatened yeah. by anything yeah. outside of what they've established for themselves or their children. Well, I mean, I feel like things have been so pulled violently from me, so I had no choice, you know? Mm. But I do think it's the right way to be. Like, I do think there's a, there, Abbott Trifon wrote this blog post on Vashon Island. There had been like this series of kids committing suicide. You know how that happens among like teens? You'll have a couple yep. of suicides and all of a sudden it's like an epidemic. And all of a sudden yeah. kids are like somehow inspired by each other. So he wrote this thing at one point and he was saying, you know, it, it it's a long post, but it ends with, you know, I trust God to do what is right with my brother. I trust him to do the best thing for every person and to understand that, you know, as much as I love someone, how much more does God love them? Right? Like God, I'm not as, yep. I'm not as good at loving people as God is. And I'm not as good at, at showing that love and at taking care of them and, and showing them mercy and all those things. And God is better at it than I am. So I just need to trust that he's going to do it. And, you know, I'm praying for my kids all the time and I'm, and I'm here to give them advice if they need it. And I'm sure. so with my older kids. Yeah. I'm really, I try not to try not to push myself too much on it. And they know how I feel sure. about things and they're, they're working it out from their side and, and they're, they're lovely people, you know, as some of my kids, like one of my kids is truly an adult. Like my oldest teaches elementary school in the inner city in Philadelphia in like the scariest place I've ever been. Wow. And, you know, they're just killing it out there. They're just, just doing beautiful work and doing beautiful things, not going to church, you know, pretty sure there's no God, you know, making yeah. fun of me sometimes for thinking there is, but, but, you know, otherwise like doing great and i just trust that you know they got to find their way and i found my way and i came to conclusions that are so different from the conclusions my parents came to and so i just i want to be at peace with the idea that the fact that a person is my child does mm -hmm. not mean that they're any more mine than any other person is yeah. you know like the fact that i love them so much does not mean that that i get to declare who they are so yeah. i'm just i'm rolling with things and and it's a lot more peaceful over here you know, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder when you're trying to control it and you can't. Yeah. 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 Well, that makes me think of two things. Like, you know, for, so for me, it's the same thing with my kids. It's like, um, you know, I was raised in a, you know, you know, Protestant religious household, whatever. And a lot of things were like, this is how it is, this is how it is. And so for me with my kids, it's like the, the only two asks I have of them is like, just be respectful in church. Oh, and when they were younger, stop asking 
how long is it gonna be <laughs> right i'm like because every time i'm like 15 more minutes they're like oh there's a chrismation there's this i'm like okay so um you know and it's like you know my, my son he's like he's in he serves in the altar like i serve in the altar as well like he went to this crossroad program got to visit like you know see the relics of saint john shanghai like all these things has really impressed him and like my daughter like i don't know where she's at but the fact of the matter is it's like those are both my children i love them and i'm going to be honest with them i'm going to say this is where i'm at while you're living with us we just ask that you respect these things and you can ask anybody else about all these questions. You're gonna get different answers than what you're gonna get from me, but you're free to ask. And I think that's the biggest thing with, you know, our children, like of all ages, is you need to be feel you need to feel free to ask those questions as opposed to like this is how it is. And the second thing I was gonna say just made me think of uh actually it was going back to one of the episodes where Jamie was on the Everyday Orthodox talking about being married to Paulina and how you get to be part of her story. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. I, I've been thinking of like with my kids and like with my wife, I'm like, I get to be part of their story. And like, that is such an honor and a blessing. And it's like, if I wake up with that every day, like I get to be part of that story and hopefully it's a good part. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, I can I can be the dad where I come home. I'm like, you know, what? Why is there water on the floor or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> why are all the lights on? I'm not going to recover from this. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it's but but when you look at it as as a as a blessing, like it it, it does flip things a lot, you know. Yeah, I, I highly recommend not being the villain or even the anti-hero in your own yeah. story or anyone else's story, you know, like yeah. let's let's all be good characters in everybody's story if we can. It's yeah. a little hard when you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off and you, uh, you know, want to flip them the bird or something. But like, right, we, we, we need to always be thinking about like we are always living a story. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, we, I used, yeah. I used to tell my kids that all the time, like my, my girls, especially like around fifth or sixth grade, girls get weird. They're mean to each other. And I would just listen to them. I'd be like, all right, I want you to picture this. Like this is a scene in a movie. I want you to picture it in, in your mind's eye and then tell me like, is the audience rooting for you or not? <laughs> like, mm. are you, like, oh, yeah. are you sure good. you're the good guy? Cause right now I feel like it's you and your friends are like <laughs> the nasty girls in the story. And I don't want you to be that. And, uh, but it's true, right? Like if you can yeah. step back and see the bigger picture and look at it, you can see like, oh, you know, maybe I'm, yeah. you know, maybe I need to behave a little differently, but I'm it's gonna true. I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I just started thinking, I'm like, maybe I might need to use that on myself in my marriage. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't use that in an argument with your wife. No. Uh, <laughs> better make sure that couch is comfortable, you know? <laughs> Now, one thing returning a little bit uh, to the topic of divorce is, you know, it's a tough path. We've we've talked about that, um, but it's also a path that has voices that speak into it. Now, you kept this one close um, pretty much almost to the end. But after that, once the word got out, um, 
you know, you're you're not only a Christian in your local community, as well as you know, you probably have plenty of Christian family members that had opinions, and um, but you're also part of the broader Christian and Orthodox community as an author and a podcaster. Did you get pushback? Did you personally experience things either on a local or a broader level criticizing you for going through this experience? You know, I was really nervous about it. I was really worried. And that's part of the reason I was quiet about it. Um, I was worried because I write about, you know, Orthodox family stuff. And I don't write about marriage. Every once in a while, someone would introduce me and they would be like, she speaks about marriage and family. I was like, "Uh, no, I only speak about family. I just need that on the record. I don't speak about marriage. And I wouldn't tell them why, but it was like, trust me. Trust me, don't say that. But, um, you know, it, it was... It was such a hard experience. And for me, like when I'm actually going through that experience, I don't necessarily talk a lot about it. After I've processed it, I'm able to talk about it more. Um, But uh, it was also, I was just really nervous. I wasn't sure what, what are Orthodox people going to say about this? You know, I, I, here and there you draw ire from like this sort of extreme traditional right crowd. They're kind of, uh, there's a small group of people online that are sort of policing the church and they're going around and they're going to, you know, speak up about anyone they think is out of line. And they would get mad at me over stuff that wasn't even true all the time. That was just super random. And so I was like, and I've gotten death threats and stuff like that. Not a lot, but just enough to be like concerned. And so I thought, okay, well, great. You know, now I'm going to go through a divorce and this is going to be a mess. And, and I wasn't sure, right? Like, is anybody going to want to publish my books? Am I just going to be done? And there was a part of me that was like, well, you know, all along I have felt like, you know, whatever this is, this, you know, lovely thing that's happening where I'm able to like write some books and do some podcasts. Like it's been so much fun. It's been really beautiful. And it's a gift that God has given me that I, you know, didn't earn. And I'm just trying to be, you know, Job and like, yeah, easy come, easy go, whatever. Right. Like y'all don't want me around anymore. That's going to be fine. I'm going to be okay with that. So I was bracing for that and it didn't happen. People were very supportive and very sweet. And I really appreciated that. I have one or two people I've heard through the grapevine who uh, who feel that it's likely that my writing and my podcasting uh, took me too much, I guess, away from the kitchen. And that's probably oh, why wow. my husband left, you wow. know, that, but that's sort of like just a random misogynist thing. And I'll just roll with that. But <laughs> the few people that I know, like it's a few but... people I know pretty well, and I've seen them since, and I don't say a word about it, and they don't bring it up. Like, okay, whatever. But uh, but I can assure your listeners that is not, in fact, what happened. <laughs> My husband was not like, you know what? I'm tired of you writing books. Like, you know what's what? Go away. In fact, sure. I think actually, if I'd had a big career, he would have liked it better, right? Like, he, that, sure. that's just not who he was. But uh, anyway, yeah. So it's. I was really really nervous about that. I've really gotten a lot of support and very few negative responses. And actually around the same time, I do a lot of work with Ancient Faith Radio um, and it's all Orthodox media. And a couple of other people who do who are like known at, at Ancient Faith went through divorces the same year. And so we all knew that because we'd see each other and we'd be like, oh wow, you're doing me too. Yeah, me too, okay. And like, we were all going through it at the same time. And we've talked about, you know, maybe we need Maybe this means that together we're going to like do something that's useful for people. Like maybe we come up with a resource that's helpful for people. Because the truth is, in terms of Orthodox specific content, 
you know, we talk about the ideal situation all the time. We talk about like people get married and they live happily ever after and they raise their children and we write things about, you know, how to keep your spouse happy or whatever, but we really don't write a lot about what do you do on the other side of it when things go sideways, whether with your kids or with your spouse or whatever. So, you know, we could use some more of that. So maybe one of these days we'll put something like that together. But I feel I think we all felt like we had to process it for a little while before we could talk about it because it's yeah. it's a well, lot to we, process. We'd like to think that a bruise beard shipwrecks has a small little part to play in. in Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 I love that, right? The focus on shipwrecks, that's that's helpful to remind us. Like everybody's yeah. going through stuff. It's yeah. a big deal. I th- I think sometimes because um, you know, as Orthodox Christians, we believe marriage is a sacrament, and we don't think divorce should be taken lightly. And um, and in fact, you know, uh, unlike our law system, we're not so simple. Like our law system, you know, allows for no fault divorce. That's probably the default reason now uh, for mm-hmm. divorce. You know, our church really doesn't recognize that. You you have to go into more detail. Uh, you know you have to you, you don't take it lightly is the point. And its intention is always to be, you know, one man and one woman for one life, the whole the whole yep. life, right? And and that's that's the plan and that's the intention. Um, and and so we don't take it lightly. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Yeah. And and particularly, uh, it, you know, we the faith is always incarnated through people it always takes on flesh through people and in culture and each era of the church has had to face different challenges and this is one of the bigger challenges that we're facing in this era you know Mm -hmm. marriage isn't you know we spend a fortune on the wedding Mm -hmm. but we don't spend a lot of time thinking about the life and and that's that's where you know where ultimately things are are encouraged in the church is is to keep the marriage together but when it falls apart we we can't abandon our people um you know the church is there to heal even in the midst of difficulties I don't, well, I, I think that's here. no, it's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> Amen, I, brother. Love, Amen. I love that. You know, I remember back a thousand years ago because I'm super old, but Joe Kennedy got a divorce from his wife and they had like four kids and they'd been married like 20 some years and they annulled it, annulled it in the uh, Catholic Church. And she was outraged. She's like, How can you say this marriage didn't happen? Yeah. And you know, and I get that because that's crazy, right? And right. so I love the fact that Orthodoxy says, like, no, sometimes people are weak, and for for your salvation, yeah. we are going to acknowledge that. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's I think that's beautiful. And so, you know, we had to go through the ecclesiastical divorce process, um, which was which was good too. And I, I just think, you know, I couldn't be more against divorce, honestly, because. Yeah. It felt to me, and I know I described this before, when my son died, I felt like there was like a physical hole in me, like something had been ripped away from me and it was, it had a real physical reality to me. And I feel that way in some ways about divorce too. Like, I think that there is a forever brokenness about that, about that reality that, you know, my husband and I, we knew each other for 28 years. We were married for 22 of them, five kids. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I... 
I believe it. You know, God makes you one flesh and you rip that apart and you are ripping something apart that is sacred and good. And it, you know, I would, I would have fought it out forever if I could have. But yeah. uh, on the other hand, what's interesting about it is I see that brokenness and that brokenness will always be there. And my kids will go to two different houses on Christmas and that's stupid and that's lousy. And at the same time, like I'm so much better off for it. You know, I, I'm, I'm in a much happier marriage. I'm a happier person. I'm, you know, I'm in a place where, where we appreciate each other and we care about each other and we take care of each other. And that's not where my marriage had been for a very long time, but it's, you know, it's interesting to live those two things at the same time. Like right. on the one hand, you know, I, I sometimes describe it as a get out of jail free card because it's like I would never have gotten divorced to to fulfill myself. Like I would never have said my personal fulfillment would be better if I moved on. I really yeah. didn't even allow myself to think that. I did not allow that in my head. But the reality is that's true. I am way better off. But you know what? It's a that's a brokenness that'll be there forever and ever. And yeah. it just it is what it is. That's that's a terrible brokenness that never goes away. Yeah. You know, it's like being a Vietnam vet or something. You know, it's just like that's always there. And it's lousy. Yeah, yeah make a gangster cry. <laughs> that is that is absolutely perfect. I was gonna say something else, but I'm I'm gonna go to the next question right there. So now, now that we've talked about like all these different things, right? We we can look back with like kind of a bird's eye view from the loss of Luca, the loss of your marriage, the establishment of new married life. You know things now. Um, <laughs> you know, like you know things in a way that three years ago you didn't know, or. 19 years ago you didn't know right what you've learned things through all these experiences what's something just give me something that you know from deep within you now that you wouldn't really have understood if you hadn't had these experiences hmm. i don't know if i'm far enough away from it yet to know what that is honestly hmm. but uh the the Divorce is really, it's a profound thing. I mean, there there's a way in which I remember going through it, saying to people a couple of times, like, this may be harder than when I lost Luca. Like, this may be worse. This may be, because there was some, there was a loss that like everybody else that my kids were having that I was mm -hmm. unable to fix. You know, mm -hmm. there was all of this, there were all of these ripples from it and there's so much permanence and it, um, I remember when Luca died, I had a friend who was talking to me and she was saying, I don't know what it's like to lose a son, but I was, I'm divorced. And I remember that grief. And it was interesting because she kept apologizing. She was like, oh, it's not the same as losing a son. But I was listening to her. I was like, no, I, you know, I kind of, I can see some parallels here because you're right. Like you really believe that your life is going to be one way and then you lose that and it becomes something else mm -hmm. entirely. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was, but I really didn't get it. But there was a part of me in my head that was like, there's something to that, that there is some kind of profound grief in that. And I could not wrap my head around what that would be. And now I know, <laughs> you right. know now I know. And yeah. it's true. It is, it is a real loss. It is a real loss and it's a different kind. It's, it's more complicated because it's more like your relationship with your parents. Like wow. yep. I, uh, I, my dad passed away 
And I had a, a real complicated relationship with my dad. My dad was larger than life and charismatic and fascinating, but he was a narcissist and a lunatic. And he was like, mm -hmm. oh, he, so there's so much good and so much bad about my dad that I just can't even begin to talk about it. But that complexity, it's like that. It's like that, like you're grieving someone that you love, but at the same time, you're still angry with them and you're trying to find a way to forgive them, but you're also grieving their loss. But you're like, is it even safe to grieve this loss? Like, can I, can I grieve this loss without falling into some kind of trap of, of, of liking someone too much that I think I'm going to hate and I want to hate and I'm going to try to hold it. Like, how do I be forgiving and still judge you? <laughs> it's really, really hard to do both of those, right? So yeah. sure you got to drop the judging, but it's like, it's this process of not wanting to hand that away yet and not wanting to hand away the sort of the victimhood of it. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, it is so complex. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a lot like, it's a lot like losing a complicated parent, not a regular mm -hmm. parent, but mm -hmm. a complicated parent. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough. It's really tough. But uh, yeah, someday I'll someday I'll have like really profound, great things to say about it. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm just not done with it yet. You know what right. I mean? Like I'm still right, in yeah. process. It's still going, yeah. and I'm still trying to sort it out. I mean, that, that that sounds like the words of someone who's been who was married for a long time. <laughs> and who knows you know because i mean i've been married yeah. it'll be it's coming up on 19 years in september yeah. and it's like i mean everything you just said is so true just like marriage is so complicated and it's like you know you you bring your own baggage to the relationship and you're trying to work that baggage out and sometimes you unpackage you know, unpack it and things are fine but then as a as two people you create those own own scars and turmoil within that relationship and so then you're trying to heal from those scars plus the baggage that you've brought to it so it's it's just so complicated and like you're saying it's like it's trying to get out of your head and into your heart it, it, it's just it, it's such a hard thing it's like i mean i don't know, like you're saying it's like when you see those you know, you see the, the old couple who just like, you know, is holding hands. You're like, that's what I strive to be. And like you're saying, it's like, yeah. I have a, you know, me, me and my dad get along, but it's, it's a difficult relationship. Um, you know, I mean, but it's just trying to kind of learn how to love him where he's at, but at the same time be myself. Um, I know that probably makes no sense what I just said, but going back to what you said, as far as like, it's just, it's difficult, but at the same time, I like, you're trying, you're trying to work it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, that's so interesting. You're right. Right. Like it's like trying to love them where they are and be okay. Like, and be forgiving and be accepting yeah. and loving, yeah. but somehow there's a, there's a concern for your own identity in it. Which yeah. sounds like doesn't make sense, but like with spouses, you know, like that's two flesh become one, right? Your identity mm -hmm. does merge. And with your parents, your identity starts merged and you got to separate it over the years. <laughs> and it is yes. this like, there yep. is this complexity of who am I? And even when I lost my son, it was like, I was the mother of four. Now I'm the mother of three again. How could that? And that doesn't sound profound, but it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so interesting how our own identity 
you know, we're defined in our relationships. Not not just like, oh, you're a mom because you have children, but like we define one another in our relationships. That's how we find the boundaries of ourselves. is like where we push up against one another. And and in that sense that we're defined as, as persons by our relationship with God, right? Like there's, it's tough because we're all so complicated and we're all so wounded and imperfect. And I remember when I had my first daughter just having this revelation that was like, oh my gosh, like I knew everything my parents had done wrong and I was just not going to do any of those things, right? <laughs> and then so you have true. your kids and you realize like, oh, I'm the same terrible, yeah. flawed, stupid, weak person I was last week. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't magically going away and now they're going right. to suffer for it. Yeah. And it's just, you you have that realization that like, oh no, this, this relationship is going to be complicated and, and crazy too because that's who we are, right? Yeah, like, yeah indeed. It's, it's so interesting to me and it's so it's so beautiful and so painful all at the same time mm. you know? it just that's that's the journey right there well I, I want to pick up where you were talking about kind of looking back and you know you you talked about the uh, first child and the thoughts and and things that you had um, during the excitement of all that and how you suddenly had it figured out but you really didn't right and and if you could go back uh, you could give yourself advice at that time that would would blow your mind at that time because you really wouldn't have any idea. But I want to focus more though on like the dark stuff that you went through. You know, there certainly were in the loss of Luca and and I'm sure also in the unraveling of your marriage that there there was some dark there were dark days, there were dark moments, there were dark seasons even. Um, if you could go back to it doesn't matter which point in time but if you could go back to one of those difficult times and give yourself you know kind of whisper some wisdom in your ear uh is there something that that you would want to say yeah i think around the divorce so so i told you the story in the last episode when luca died that i had this visit that I was sitting by the door, I was holding him after he had passed away, waiting for the for the ambulance to come, which was really only several seconds. It wouldn't have been that long, maybe 30 seconds. Um, I had this sense of a presence coming to me and just sort of saying like, you loved him and he loved you. And, and it was mutual, it was good. Like it was without words, but it was just this sort of sense of like this love existed and it was perfect and it was good. And then it finished with like this idea that there's more. There's something else. This isn't the end of everything. There's more coming. And it was that that I needed. So I later, I now have a theory that that was actually uh, like maybe a visit from like Archangel Michael because there's this icon where it says that Archangel Michael um, escorts souls to heaven. And I was like, wow, had he come for Luca or an an angel come for Luca? And this is sort of this, this thing that washed over me. And so I, that's what I needed at the time of the divorce. And sadly, there was not a message like that, but I did eventually yeah. figure it out. But it was that sense of like, I cannot imagine anything on the other side of this wall. Like mm-hmm. there's this huge right. dark wall. Right. And I spent a long time, as I said, like, and it sounds nice, you know, like, oh, I was really fighting to save my marriage. But it was almost like at a certain point, just out of fear of like, well, what on earth? Like what happens if this whole thing that I've 
built and that I'm living in, what happens if that shatters? Like, who am I and, and where do I go? And, and I just, I was really afraid of that. And, you know, and I know that you just have to lean into God and trust and that, but that took a long time to get there. You know, that there was a lot of fear of that. There was a lot of fighting through it. And I, and I started having, you know, these experiences with different therapists would look at me and be like, well, you know, what do you want in a marriage? And I can tell now that they were kind of like, are you realizing that the thing that you're really, really fighting so hard, like your, you know, your hands are like bleeding from holding on to it. <laughs> like it kind of sucks. Like you're yeah. kind of holding on to something that sucks. And, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. But it was like, I would not allow that question to even enter my head, which at first had been a strategy for preserving a marriage. And then eventually it was like a protection against this fear of just not having, not being able to imagine what could come next and being so just afraid of it. And I think, you know, if I could give myself that same message that I had gotten before, like, no, there's something after this, like there's going to be more and it's going to be good too. Like it, there's, it's just different but it's yeah. going to be good also in its way. There are yeah. still good things ahead that um, I would love to go back and say that to myself. I don't know if I would have listened. Mm, right. <laughs> right. That's the other question, right? Like, oh, you know, go back to my old self and give me all this advice. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure somebody was giving me good advice and I wasn't listening. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> there, there's always someone saying something we need to be listening to and we're not. Right. Right. I mean, years later, I hear things in my head and I'm just like, oh, sorry, grandmother. I totally <laughs> blew that off. But uh, you were right about that. Sorry. Yeah, so, sometimes we have to wake up to the wisdom, uh, you know, one day at a time. For real. Like a week before my wedding, my grandmother told me exactly why that marriage was going to fail. And I was like, you are out to lunch. Go away. And wow. uh, guess what? She was exactly right. Wow. She's exactly 20, right. 22 years in advance or however many. Right? Years. Like, yeah. I mean, who knew? <laughs> bars, but to be bars, fair, bars. she had like one failed marriage and a bunch of, like, she was just a very like promiscuous, angry person. So I'm just like, what do you know about marriage? <laughs> she was right. Cause she doesn't know about wow. marriage, but she knew about divorce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, like, there it there is. Go. Yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. There can be some credibility in divorce as well. I mean. That's right. <laughs> Oh, well, is, it, is there anything else you guys uh, you guys want to touch on? I, I think we've hit all the highlights I wanted to hit on. Well, there, there's yeah. one thing I wanted to just say, Elisa, is um, you've actually been, besides like podcasts or, you know, podcasts, you've actually been part of my family's routine for a few years now. And that is because of a nativity book that you did. Oh, uh, we've been using that for years and I it, it literally wasn't until this year I looked down and I saw that you were the author and I, I remember texting the picture to Jamie I'm like bro and he's like yeah but so thank you you know um oh I'm so glad I'm so glad I love that book I love that I did that with my kids for years and you know nobody wanted to publish it and I Bishop Maxim of the Serbian yeah. church was yeah. like are you going to write a book for me? I was like, I got a book for you. Nobody else wants it. And uh, I think that's just the, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of a family's rhythm like that. And I, you know, it's a neat thing to have this collection of stories that you read every year with your mm -hmm. kids. Like I have loved it. 
I have loved well, it. I'm so glad that you have too. And, That's and awesome. Even having teenagers Sounds like I gotta look this book up. You got to. Well, it's funny too, because every time I ask my wife, like, <laughs> so where where's the nativity book, you know, the Saint Sebastian Press one? She's like, What are you talking about? Because like being like this nerd that I am, like, you know, I look at like the music I buy, I have my records organized by like record label, all my books, oh, you know, funny. organized by like publisher. So she's like, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Like that. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's so funny. Well, Jamie, it's called Welcoming the Christ Child. I'll send you a copy. Because okay. you're uh, almost you're almost wow. there. You're like a year away from it. You're like one year away from it. And but, it's got ornaments uh, too. Yeah, it's got matching ornaments. It's nice. like a Jesse tree, right? Like it's a there's a Protestant tradition of the Jesse tree. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it with my kids. It's a countdown to Christmas. Okay. And they're goofy because they just I mean they go through all the prophecies about Christ, but they don't make any sense. And I was reading them and I'm just like, what is this? Like the Lion of Judah? It's like, okay, I get it, but also, sure. like, come on, you know. But anyway, so I wrote one that is instead, it just goes through all the prophets and sort of all the history of like God preparing us to receive the Savior. And that then at awesome. the end, you receive the Savior at Christmas. And so, I don't know, I think it's cool. It's a great way to, it's a great way to learn the Old Testament with your kids. It's that's awesome. There are a couple of errors that I would like to fix, but I can't because it's a book and then it's finished and we're done. <laughs> and there's like one part where I say Potiphar instead of Pharaoh or something. I forget what it is. It's mm. something in Joseph that I use the wrong name. And I was like, oh, oh. and everyone's that, that hurts from people who are like, my son is demanding that I tell you this. I apologize. He has autism. It's really important to him that I tell you this. I'm like, I know. I know it's okay. I've been Tell looking him I through the Bible and, and I can't too. find this person. <laughs> I know. He's like, I'm always like, "Tell him it bothers me more than it bothers him." I know. <laughs> you know that this is always the difficulty of anybody who creates content for other people to enjoy. You know, I feel yeah. like every record I've ever put out, like the liner notes, and you know, of course, this is less relevant today now that everything <laughs> is streaming. But the liner notes right. have always had at least a typo or an omission somewhere. And I feel like it doesn't matter if I look at it 32 times, I'm going to see it when the final copy, shrink-wrapped, arrives at my house. That's when I'm gonna find it. And then it will be glaring and unavoidable and you'll never not see it. It's like remodeling your own house. Like if you hire someone (laughs) to come and like fix a wall, it'll always look fine to you. You'll never think of it again. But if you do it, you will see every dent and everything that's off. And like, (laughs) just, you know, we got to put it in God's hands, right? That's right. That's right. Lord, take my liner Well, you know, but... But the thing is with that, it's like, but then that becomes a collector's item because then there's the second <laughs> pressing that is like pristine and pure. And the first one with the, you know, the mistakes on it becomes like a highly sought after collector's item. I, I don't know that if it's like so baseball, true. though. I don't think it's like baseball cards, you know, error cards. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, we're going to make it like that. OK, <laughs> as a book collector, uh, I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, of books and, and projects that you've put out, do you have anything upcoming you'd like to talk about or uh, anything recent? Well, I just started a new podcast. It's called Light Streams In. It's all over the place. And I think it's fun because it is, you said at the beginning of the show that I'm like, I'm moving out into other topics yeah. outside of family. Yeah. For obvious reasons, sure. <laughs> because because I don't really want to be called on the fact that I got divorced. But yeah. um, no, Lightstreams In is really cool because it is the first project I'm working on that really is not about 
religious education or family life or anything like that. It's just kind of like me randomly musing on things and I, and I enjoy it. And I think it's very cool because I'm able to talk a little bit about what I really see as being a huge problem in our culture right now, which is this extreme division between people. And I feel like we're all becoming extremists and we're all taking sides and we're judging the people on the other side. And, um, I don't know. I think it's nice to be able to be a voice that's suggesting reconciliation and and Mm -hmm. love anyway. I think that's really important. And then uh, I just recently was talking to Cassia Ni, who's this brilliant person at Ancient Faith. She's in charge of the Chinese language division. And she grew up back and forth, believe it or not, between Southern California and communist China. And she is like, I mean, there's a story. If she were able to tell her story, she should come on here. Um, she's not able to speak publicly about her story because of political situations. Sure. But God bless her. She has some of the most fascinating things she's been through. We have we connect very deeply. That's but so awesome. she's suddenly in charge of Ancient Faith's YouTube. And they don't... Ancient Faith doesn't produce anything for YouTube, but suddenly they have like 10,000 followers and because they've been streaming podcasts there. So she's trying know. to create video content. So apparently now cool. I'm about to start doing some YouTube video stuff. So... We'll nice. see how that goes. I'm kind of excited about it. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot nice. of fun. Nice. And, and what, what socials uh, would you like to plug and your website and all that stuff? Just drop it all here. You Whatever. know, you could look for me soon enough on the Ancient Faith YouTube page. Um, I'm on Facebook for sure. I don't, I'm so bad about social media anymore. Like I'm, you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. There's something happened to me during COVID when everybody was just arguing so much. And I just sort of like was like, okay, I'm done sure. with all of this. Checked I'm still out. there. Yeah. I'm still yeah. there, but I'm not as much as I was before because I can't take it. But uh, yeah, you can look for me all over the place. I have a website that's alisabielitich.com. It's also now alisabielitichdavis.com. Nice. And uh, I like to joke, you know, I have had three last names and none of them were mine. I got my dad's <laughs> name, my first husband's name, my second husband's name. None of those are my name. I was almost just Alisa. Or like Elisa Haji or something like that. Like I was trying, but I was like, that's just too obnoxious. But it's like Prince, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I'm the artist formerly known as Elisa. I love uh, it. Anyway, but yeah, you can go to my website and I keep everything there because it's all, I'm a little scattered across platforms, but I think that's good. It's nice to have a little bit of everything going on. Yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate you joining us and, uh, you know, our socials are Bruised Beards, and uh, that's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then Royal Ruckus and Royal Ruckus Official, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. New music video Amazing. up on YouTube. And uh, by the time this airs, actually, we'll have a new new music video, but it will not oh. be from the new record. It will be my Omega song where I have fully sold out to the man. I have made a song for the company that I've worked for the last 15 years, and we finally have a hot music video. So I'm gonna put on display full sellout. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I was pretty excited. My, my boss, who's an engineer, you know, like I wasn't sure if he would be all for the idea. And he turned out to be all for it. And uh, he's even in the music video doing a, a mock inspection of property damage and the whole nine. So it's oh it's gosh. a lot of fun. That sounds like, I don't think that's selling out at all. You know what? That, I mean, in real life, like that's our lives, right? Like we give our lives to our 
yeah. to our jobs, especially when you're with a company for a long time. I can't wait to see it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, it's like this, dude. If you end up like moving off from that company, maybe you can work it into where you still get royalties every time that song gets played. <laughs> you know Boom, what I'm there you go. There you go. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's an unwritten contract. Once you make a song for the company you work for, you can't ever leave. I belong oh. to them forever. <laughs> There you go, company man. That's it. Hey, I, I've been there 15 years, and uh, half the people are like family to me at this point. So, mm, yeah, I've been in my job uh, 15 years too. So I get it. Man, I love the people I work with. I would never want to go anywhere just because of the people. Like the company's fine, but the people I love. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, the the last thing I want to drop is uh, if you go to Mister Rogers of the Rap Game dot com, uh, that will actually take you to right where you can stream the current record, which is not called Mr. Rogers of the Rap Game. That's just the hashtag and the website uh, URL. But the album is called Come On and Wake Up, uh, which just so happens to also be the name of a record by Mr. Fred Rogers. Um, none of the songs are Ooh. covers. They're all original material, but uh, but I wanted to honor him with certain references. And so I named it after him. Uh, no, Nomadic Vagabond, you got some socials you want to drop before we sign off? Well, yeah. Um, first off, everybody needs to go to buymeacoffee.com backslash Royal Ruckus. Word. And Thank that you way they can go support <laughs> the new record. Um, so for me, I'm just Nomadic Vagabond on um, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm really not that active on there. So sorry, everybody. That's just how it goes. Um, and that's all I got. Well, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, folks. <laughs>